our, our goal is to make sure that every single person that touches this platform, irrespective of who it is, if it's an advisor, if it's an asset manager, if it's a, if it's a company, if it's, a, if it's the employees of those companies, every person has to be better with best well than without. And, and that's something we, we focus on every day. After Aaron Shum graduated with a degree in finance from the University of Illinois, his very first job was as a portfolio analyst reviewing the investments held by corporate pension plans. Now, 20 years later, it seems as though he's come full circle with his latest startup, Vestwell, that wants to automate all the underlying tasks of companies that are launching retirement plans, as well as helping the advisors that work with them. I spoke to Aaron about the trade-offs that firms have to make between user experience and cost, some of the impacts he's seeing from the massive industry consolidation, and how he wants Vestwell to be the underlying tech stack in just everything that happens in the workplace, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. Another fantastic day in the wonderful world of wealth tech. Welcome to episode 79 of the Wealth Management Today podcast. And I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz. I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We're experts in everything related to wealth tech. We deliver growth oriented solutions to broker dealers, banks, asset managers, RIA aggregators, and especially to their technology providers through our premium advice and targeted market research. On this podcast, I speak with some of the smartest people in the wealth management industry who are on the leading edge of technology and innovation. And please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share it across your social media networks. We will greatly appreciate it. I had a wonderful time interviewing today's guest, Aaron Shum from Vestwell, and not only because he's one of the people that I've known the longest in the industry, it's because he's so insightful about the current changes we're seeing in the market and he also shares his vision for the future, which you don't want to miss. And if you have some time during the holiday season, I would strongly suggest listening to our previous episode with Aaron, which is called uh, Winners of Wealth Tech, episode 28. And uh, we go in depth on his history and dug into some interesting aspects of his career. We'll include a link to that episode in the show notes. But right now, uh, I'm going to go on to this show, and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Our guest on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast is Aaron Shum, founder and CEO of Vestwell. Aaron, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Aaron, it's always a pleasure to have you back. I think you're, you're the most popular guest on this, on this podcast, at least. Really? Uh, definitely. <laughs> you, I don't know what to say about that. I feel awkward. Yeah, and I you're, think, you're I fans, think, uh, you're screaming fans. I should. <laughs> Well, it's it's nice to to you, know, you guys to have interest in, in hearing what we have to say. So I appreciate it. Yeah, your episode um, where you were a winner of Wealth Tech, and congratulations again on that that honor of being a winner oh, of Wealth Tech was a very popular. Thank episode. you. Do appreciate it, and I use the caricature from it often. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the bonuses. 
<clears throat> one of the benefits of being yes. here. Free caricature. So uh, I'm in New Jersey, Aaron. Where are you calling from? <clears throat> uh, I am in Westchester, just north of the city. Lovely. Yeah, we're all just sitting in our houses, yeah. doing our thing. I, uh, we moved out in October of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, so we got purely lucky on the timing of it and uh, I'm forever grateful <laughs> for being, a, a, you know, uh, it's, a, it's I never thought I would like the suburbs as much as I do. <laughs> Sometimes it's better to be lucky. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, no, but it's good. Um, and things, you know, we're all living in the virtual world now. So mm -hmm. here we are. We certainly are. So, uh, so Aaron, give us the 30 second elevator pitch for Vestwell. Yeah, Vestwell is the, the, the underlying infrastructure and architecture to, to power workplace savings and investing plans. Um, you know, starting with 401ks, 403bs, um, but anything, you know, if you think of the digital landscape and, um, and how 401ks have been run, we are resetting the bar uh, with the front to back architecture stack that is completely re reinvented. Um, to power these retirement plans. We'll work through traditional um, providers, um, think financial services and payroll companies. Uh, you'll never really hear of us outside of the folks in the industry because it's always white label, right? We're the engine inside. Um, so uh, it, it's been exciting. It's for a very mature industry uh, to see people really, you know, just, just honing in on how they need to, to rethink how this, this industry is going to work in the future. It's been uh, exciting for us. Yeah, it's crazy how things have changed so quickly. And I mean, did you guys see a big uptick in business with when the pandemic hit or was it the opposite? So when it first hit in March, beginning of March in New York, um, you know, we went, we went remote quickly. Um, you know, thankfully being a tech company, right? We were already set up to be remote. You know, mm -hmm. most of the team worked from home probably at least once a week anyway. Um, so that that was flawless. But um, things paused for a minute more, I think, on the financial services end of the, the equation, right, than the folks that we're catering to because they have, you know, armies of, of people that work with them and for them. They were trying to get up to speed. You know, there's one company where it's like, it's like our average age of advisor is, you know, almost 60 years old. And these <laughs> most of these people haven't even logged into their laptops before, right? So they're trying to get people up to speed. So. So it, it, it slowed down for March and then April, we just kind of started flying again. Um, and in the last, I don't know, last three, four months, um, you know, one after the next has been our best month ever since existence. Um, we've had, you know, best quarter to date, best, you know, months and, and the, the volume just keeps just Jump, you know, leapfrogging itself, um, and a lot of that I think is just driven because people are looking and saying, "Listen, I got to, I got to be digital first, right? I, I'm not going to be in clients' offices or prospective clients' offices. So, how am I going to engage with them uh, in, in the the most natural way, right? And it starts in the digital world, and that's uh, you know what we do. So that that's been exciting to see. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's it's just it's all good fortune for someone. You know, in a bad situation, at least some good fortunes come out of it. Yeah, and, and two, like you know, so we just you know have been fortunate from the standpoint where we've just procured some of the largest contracts, so the largest contracts we've we've ever done as a, as an organization, right? Large enterprise deals that um, you know really just transform Vestwell for, forever. Um, and the the individuals that the CEOs that run those organizations, you know, one in particular, I can't say their name, but 
he was just like, listen, he's like, this stuff happens in the world. We're ready for it. He's like, it'll take us a minute to get our feet under us and kind of the new world we have to live in. But he's like, strategically, we're, we're already going and none of that's going to change. So um, if anything, I think we've seen these large enterprise relationships that we've established get accelerated uh, because now there's no other choice. There isn't. Yeah, it's, it's either adapt to digital or, or perish or get snapped up by someone else. Yep. So what exactly. are you seeing? I mean, you guys are, are obviously heavily in the, in the record keeping world, retirement world. What are some of the trends you're seeing? What's, what's, what's changing in, in the record keeper space? Yeah, so it depends on who you are, right? And, and what, what the organization focuses on. Um, you know, at Vessel, we built basically a record keeper list record keeper, right? So we've flattened the stack. We've, we've removed any legacy. We, we've brought it closer to how people engage in any other facet of their financial world, right? And what we're seeing a couple of things, right? So if you're in the asset management side of the equation or an advisor, obviously offering, uh, offering the investment services uh, to, to plans and their participants, their employees, um, there's definitely been a gravitation towards managed accounts. Um, so you're seeing people saying, listen, you know, the managed accounts that, you know, you know, incredibly well, right in the wealth world, um, are now coming over to the retirement world in the defined contribution space. So we're seeing a big gravitation to that. Um, we actually have an exciting thing that we're rolling out around that, um, uh, in the platform itself, uh, that'll be coming out here in the, in the first quarter. And I, what it's doing is effectively replacing the target date fund world, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think target dates, you know, have, have, you know, been a boon for for a long time and, and continue to, to grow. But now you're kind of seeing that that flatten out and you're seeing a shift into the, the managed account world. Because as an advisor, right, I can look at it and say, I can offer this to a, a, the employees within a plan and then carry them into a wealth account over time, right? After they roll out, after they leave their company or roll over and not have to go through a, an arduous process to, to reevaluate how they're investing, right? And as an employee, I can look at and say, I actually have a custom investment model for myself, right? Within the plan. And I can use that, you know, wherever I go in life. Um, so that, that I think is a trend that, that will be around for a long time. You know, it's, it kind of also bleeds into, you know, managed outcome to guaranteed income, right? Where you have kind of a soft landing at the end of your career, um, as you're getting ready to retire, then flipping that into a guaranteed income type structure, right? And, and all of those are, are kind of coming into light. Um, we're, you know, more broadly, the, the gravitation towards just reinventing record keeping um, is, is getting stronger and stronger, right? We've seen it, it the, the survey we just did um, actually just, you know, echoed what the sentiments we had already, you know, thought, and that's why we're actually here, right, as a business. Um, but that's that's really been exciting because record keeping has been neglected, right? And, and you've spent a ton of time in the wealth world and, and you see all the evolution there and what's happening. But this side of the, the industry has really kind of just been left and and forgotten about to a degree. And, and now people are like, oh, wait, there is, I need to reshape how I actually engage with people because, we always say there is no better place to establish a relationship with someone than in the workplace, right? And then that becomes your introductory point to anything else you do, right? And kind of that cradle to grave scenario as a financial advisor, where I can engage with someone at the the earliest point in their career and 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 where they're most you know kind of quote unquote captive, right? And then start to walk them into something that you know whatever happens in people's personal lives uh, and where they need to be. So. 
so those are all trends that we're seeing, you know, and then we'll see more things around um, ESGs, right? Um, uh, those sort of investments being offered as defaults, right? Um, um, I, you know, we're going to incorporate some ESG strategies here shortly. We have a couple products on the shelf already, but but we're looking at, at more closely. Um, you see a lot around, uh, um, we get asked often around like Bitcoin and incorporating, you know, uh, crypto type investments yeah, into we get crypto in our plans. Return. So um, soon, actually, we're, we're actually going to incorporate a strategy here soon. It's a uh, Bitcoin um, strategy. It is uh, obviously can't be the default, uh, you know, QDIA investment <laughs> election, but, but, uh, but, but for people that want it, like, Hey, sure. Get it. Like it's, you know, I, I understand, we understand and, I, and we're not, you know, we're not going to be the 338 asset manager on it and take mm -hmm. the liability for it. But if someone wants it, we can make it available. Um, and then more broadly, you see like the 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 pooled employer plan and the um, and the multiple employer plan um, coming to light, where it's kind of different constructs trying to achieve somewhat of the same thing and giving scale to these large organizations that can't go down market because they just don't have the technology to do it or don't have the ability to operationally support it. Um, mm -hmm. That's going to you know come into play here next year or so. Um, a lot going on. Cool. So that that leads your mention there of the of that mention leads us right into the uh, into the survey. So can you explain what the the multiple the difference between the multiple employer plans and the pooled employer plans for those of us playing at home who don't know those terms? Yeah, and, I, and I'm gonna hopefully don't reverse these, but um, the the overall idea is right. It, it's it's creating a plan construct, a plan design. Um, with a set of investment elections and, and, um, and matches and so on, um, where everyone is pooled, right? You have a lead, you have a leading uh, uh, sponsor, right? Someone that acts as the, the, the plan sponsor across the entire map um, structure, and Pep I'll come back to. And what they'll do is everyone kind of piles into there, right? Everyone gets the same plan. So it's been around for 20 plus years, right? You see... Um, Actually, if you, if you really kind of look at it, it goes all the way back to like the pension era, right? And, and how those work. Um, and, but in, in the multiple employer plan, what happens if you think of like a, a PEO, right? Uh, like, a, like a Trinet or an ADP or something like that, that where they have, oftentimes those are a map that you become part of um, when you invest within their, you know, within their re retirement plan. Um, now, the, what they're doing is making it there, there's the open the concept of an open map and closed map right which um talks about you know who can actually come in and, and how those get uh get administered um it's you can now add more people that are outside of the industry or outside of a, a structure right where before it would just say okay only lawyers can be a part of this map right law firms right now it's expanded into where you could add different different types of uh, in, in companies into that. Um, so that's happening. What people, they do that because it, it's supposedly easier for people to administer. I, I, I argue that differently. Um, I don't think it is much easier, right? When you look at, if you have multiple payroll providers and that you have to incorporate, if it's just one payroll company, yeah, sure. That's fine. Cause everyone's going to the same thing, but if you have, you know, a thousand companies and a thousand payroll companies you have to connect to with it and manage that it is it's not that it's not as easy as people think right gotcha. now on the back side of this the peps as well as the maps they goes on the 5500 right and instead of having to do a 5500 uh irs filing for every 
every company, they can do one filing. Um, so you basically do an aggregate filing around it, right? Which does make some things somewhat easier. We've kind of taken a different approach. We just we automate a lot of the 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 stuff that doesn't add a lot of value, um, but can but is necessary, right? Maybe you think of like payroll connectivity and eligibility. Those are things. That's what we focus on, right? We have you know I would argue the best payroll engine out there, right? The and the ability to aggregate and distill information and look for anomalies calculate eligibility you know, in microseconds and getting those things right up front, eliminate all the downstream uh, operational you know, aspects that kind of snowball into these, these, these large, uh, large headaches for folks. And we catch it all up front, right? And doing that, you know, things get streamlined. So I look at it, we can do a, we can offer an individual a retirement plan, an individual company retirement plan that is cheaper than any MEP you could ever find in the marketplace that's customized for them that allows them to do whatever they want right and grow and change and augment the plan as, as they need as, as the company evolves um so you know from our now will we offer maps sure yeah we have a couple maps that are coming on now we'll have some peps out there like it's fine we don't, we don't really care right we just want to be the engine to help facilitate and, and change the experience overall and, and and get people kind of what they expect in today's world sure in, in your survey which is called the 2020 retirement trends report which i'll put a link to on uh uh, on our website, you're showing that 33% of advisors anticipate incorporating these uh, employer plans into their practice. Do you see that? Is that number low or high or just about right for the industry? So I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a little high, right? And here's why. Um, <clears throat> so as an advisor, right? If I'm a financial advisor and I'm engaging with a business, I, I don't see why an advisor would want to push a business into a box that maybe they don't fit into, right? And just to alleviate, now you could say, well, there's better fiduciary coverage, there's, you know, operationally it's better, and that's all fine, right? Um, but as an advisor, right, their advice should be providing the best plan design and structure for that business and the employees, right? Because that's, you know, risk is designed for the benefit of employees, right? And mm-hmm. the protection of those employees. So, I, so I, you know, so I think, you know, it, people gravitate towards this because they think it's, you know, because it's the new, I guess the, the topic of the day or the hot, hot item that people want to say, yeah, I can do that and check, right? But at the end, but I think when we see this play out, you know, a few years down the road, I don't think people are going to, they're going to look at it and say, yeah, I don't get that much out of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a little high. And if I'm an advisor, I'd say, you know, I, I'd want to give my client the, the best advice, the best plan structure I can. Right. And not, not just, no, that's not saying some people don't fit in that box. You know, there's those opportunities. And I think there's, there are opportunities too for advisors to say, well, maybe I'm going to stand up a couple peps and meps myself as a, as a provider to my clients and then decide, you know, be their traffic controller as to where, where they should land. Seems to make sense. It gives them more options. So let's move on to um, another area, which I wanted to cover on the, on the sponsor side. So why do you think the, you know, the, it seems to be that user experience and cost are running neck and neck when it comes to choosing a retirement plan sponsor. Why do you think that is? Mm-hmm. Well, Cost, cost will depend on who's, who's going to bear the, the actual fees, right? And it could be um, the, the sponsor themselves, it could be the participants, or, or it could be split, 
right? Um, but cost, especially in, in a cost conscious world, you, you want to make sure you're getting the, the best value, right? And I think that that also ties into the experience, right? If as, as a, a sponsor of a 401k plan, and we have this awesome 401k plan through Vestwell, um, they, you know, if, as long as that, that flows well, and I have a great experience as the HR person or CFO who's ever managing the payroll um, to get ingested into the platform, and the participants actually can understand what they're doing and engage in an experience that makes sense for them without having to be a, a financial expert, um, it alleviates the headaches for the sponsor, right? As well as the participant, they know what to do, right? There, it, it's it's kind of funny. We we've seen a lot of instances where companies have grown, right? Where they've they've come, you know, through like a payroll relationship we have, and they don't have a financial advisor. Um, most plans do. Ninety three percent of retirement plans have a financial advisor attached, right? In just industry statistics, and that's actually grown over time. It's gone from sixty eight back in I think two thousand eight. To 2019, we're at 93%. Um, and Fidelity does a study around this stuff every year, and, and you can see that. So it, I think it, it creates, um, it shows that advisors aren't going anywhere, and, and it, you know they're they're becoming more um, more relevant in, in the 401k world. But for some businesses, not everyone has a financial advisor, right? And then they grow, and all of a sudden the HR person is getting you know knock on their door, phone call, or medium request to talk about the what they can do in their 401k plan. The HR person's like, listen, I, I got enough of my play. I don't want to do this, right? So that that's where that's where the experience, I think, comes into play, right? And then we often get asked, like, hey, do you have a financial advisor you could introduce us to? And we're like, yeah, absolutely, right? We work with thousands. Yeah. Um, so so that, you know, I, I think it just bodes to the fact that you want to create an experience. You want to alleviate, you want to allow people to make competent decisions, right? Without having to be experts in that field, right? The employees of any business don't have, they shouldn't have to be 401k experts or investment experts. So if we can solve for that, um, we're doing our job. So you mentioned something interesting that people are coming to you, Vestwell, you're the provider of the underlying technology and saying, Hey, do you have an advisor that we can talk to? And that's usually been an area and that, and that gives you a whole referral stream to your advisors, which has been an area that custodians have kind of tried to keep, make their own, like, Hey, join our little network. We'll give you referrals. Is that something you're seeing as a, as a benefit of advisors coming to the Vestwell network? I mean, we don't, we don't do it for, you know, not, we're not doing it as a money-making thing, right? I know there are payroll providers, right, that, that use this as like a revenue stream for them. Mm -hmm. um, we're just doing it to help, help, help businesses, right? Um, you know, most of our business is advisor-led, right, advisor-driven, um, probably aligning with the statistics of the industry as a whole. Um, but you know, not everyone's the same and recognize that. So, um, but you know, it's important for, you know, it, it, advisors do great things, right. And making sure that they're tapped into the, this world where there's a need, we try to, you know, find a fit for them. Um, so yeah, so we, we do it. It's not, but again, it's not like a business gotcha. initiative that we have. We just, okay. yeah. So can we talk about the misalignment of rankings between sponsors and advisors when it comes to measuring success where, they, they seem to have different ideas of what's a, what a successful plan is. Can you talk about that a bit? Well, so, so, you know, advisors, well, let me start with the sponsors. Sponsors think success in, and this is in my opinion, right. Right. Is when things don't go wrong. Right. And you know, you don't, you never want a retirement plan to be a headache for someone. Right. The challenge is retirement plans are complicated. Right. There are so many moving parts in these things. Right. And, and even like as you know, we built this platform and, and you know, having 
you know, we've been fortunate because even myself and a lot of folks on our team have been on both sides, right? We've been on wealth and retirement mm-hmm. over our careers, um, which which you don't see often, which is kind of interesting. But in seeing how things play out on the wealth side and then, and then looking at the complexities of retirement plan and all the nuance around, you know, just eligibility, right? And the complexities that that people have put in place. Now, I think some of it's been, over, been made overly complex, right? For whether because people wanted to, you know, scare people into doing certain things or, or, or you know, laws just got in the way. Um, so kind of unwinding those things and distilling it and, and back to the point where we're trying to take the complicated stuff that's low value add and streamline it becomes important. So if you do that for a, a plan sponsor, who's ultimately the client, right? They're the mutual clients at the end of the day, you want to make their life easy, right? You don't want to be like, oh, I got payroll again, and I got to, I got to go do this, and this is going to take me two hours to process, right? You want it to happen right away, um, and as easy as possible. So we focus a lot on that, and I think that's important, right? Um, and the advisor side, right? They want, they want good. It depends on the advisor, right, and how far they want to go into the equation. Um, but advisors just want to make sure their clients are taken care of, right? Because if they're not, it's a reflection of the advisor who recommended you know, to use this sort of structure, or this sort of program. Um, so, you, you know, so you want to make sure that's, that's aligned. So I, I understand why, you, where the respective, you know, sides are coming from with it. And, and, you know, which makes our job, you know, that we have to solve for it all, right? Keep, keep the plans clean, keep them happy, keep them moving, create the experience you want and make sure it doesn't get screwed up. And then make sure that, you know, the advisor's clients are happy and, getting what they want. And then, you know, then we all win. Um, and it's something we talk about all the time as a business, right? Like our, our goal is to make sure that every single person that touches this platform, irrespective of who it is, if it's an advisor, if it's an asset manager, if it's a, if it's a company, if it's a, if it's the employees of those companies, every person has to be better with best well than without. Um, and, and that's something we, we focus on every day. That's awesome. I love to hear that kind of stuff. So let's talk about uh, something I know you you really want to talk about, which is industry consolidation and all the stuff going on, all the mergers, all the acquisitions, all the money flowing around. What's your take on that? And we had last year, we had a fair number, like like uh, uh, the Aspire deal. Uh, there was stuff going on last year. Then this year, we've had Empower snapping up companies. What what do you see? What do you what do you think of the what do you make of the current up till now acquisitions? And what do you think is coming down the pike? <clears throat> Yeah, so um, you know it is an industry of scale in many ways, right? So that's why I think you see a lot of this consolidation um, between you know the Empower acquiring Mass Mutual and Personal Capital, um, and and you know what there's probably three billion plus they they threw at those two combined um, transactions, um, and and saying hey, you know what, we're going to take this business and we're going to you know create scale out of it now knowing how the underlying tech stacks are built in some of those, um, it's not as easy as people think. Um, and, but it's interesting, right? It, it shows that people are like, Hey, we're, we're going to do this. And we're going to try to reinvent how we engage with people. Um, you know, I think empower has kind of set the clear path and, and there, you know, a lot of ex fidelity execs, right. Who are like, Hey, we want to go after and service these clients directly. Um, and it's, it's actually played well for Vestwell, frankly, because, we're not there to compete with advisors where some of these other folks actually outwardly are. Um, we, you know, we're, we're here to help advisors engage at a new level. Um, so I think we're going to see that, right. Those sort of things happen. And, and, you know, census has bought up um, the census is the, the backend record keeper for Vanguard, right. But they've also 
purchase, I don't know, I want to say in the 40s, um, 40 pro different plus uh, third-party administrators um, and have incorporated that in their future plan offering. Um, and that's, a, again, another scale thing. Like, we're just going to grab all of these things. We've taken, um, and we're at a different stage and a different point, um, but we've taken the approach of saying, hey, we want to build a technology stack that allows anyone to run their business and we can we can run a highly profitable scalable business with pure technology we don't need to go be an asset manager right and offer um, some asset stable value product or something to create uh, additional revenue we don't need to go offer you know layer in a bunch of probably non-value-add services or fees um, to to you know create a profit like we look at it like what can we build to optimize this and run a highly scalable profitable business on its own and and then we win, right? Interestingly, we we did get approached by a number of PE firms about uh, I should say a number a couple of PE firms um, about acquiring Mass Mutual, right? Say, so, hey, could we go acquire Mass Mutual and put that on Vestwell? Um, and and the short answer is yes, right? They're running two underlying legacy technology stacks, um, but we ended up not not pursuing heavily because we didn't want the insurance side of the business uh, because we looked at WIC. We just want. We just want to run the tech um, and they didn't want to separate the insurance side. Right. Um, so, you know, everyone has their own vision of where they want to be. Um, but there, there's a lot of pent up demand. I think what we're seeing as a whole. Right. And this is, you know, we've been, again, the, the benefactor of this is that the players in the industry who have been in this industry for a long time. Right. The I think traditional kind of record keeper TPAs, they're all running on legacy tech, tech stacks. Right. Which keeps them out of the small mid end of the market, at least doing it in a highly scalable, profitable fashion. And they're looking at their business and where they can say, okay, are we gonna be in this business for the long haul? And if we are, what we're doing today is not going to work, you know, two, three, four, five years down the road, right? And it's gonna be kind of a slow walk, you know, towards death if, if, if we keep going down this path. So it'll, it'll be slow, but it's, it's gonna happen. So we've seen this big attraction us saying, listen, we have to change our game. We have to change how we, we, we outwardly look because, you know, the shelf space is getting smaller. Um, we have to stand out above the rest and we have to do it better than anyone else. And, you know, and we, we look at this, like it starts with the technology stack and then, and then layer in, you know, what other investment management services, you know, folks want to focus on. Um, we want to be the engine to do that. So uh, it's, it's exciting to see, I mean, I always joke with people when I interview people that were hiring, you know, like, why do you want to be in the retirement space? Because it's boring, right? It's retirement. Um, but it's anything but, right? Like the whole world is kind of looking, like, at least in the United States, right? The whole, the whole country is looking at this and saying, we, this, is, this is the most meaningful thing we could do to help close the retirement savings gap for the, the working American. And it's the one thing we can control, right? So let's fix it. Um, because who knows what's going to happen, you know, with folks on Capitol Hill and what they're going to decide on. But this this thing we actually can control and, and help drive a better outcome. So um, I think people people want to change and are now technology has evolved to this point where we're like, yeah, we can do it. We can we can look now buy build partner is always the question, right? Um, and you see it all. So you, your phone must be ringing off the hook with PE firms looking to give you money. What do you say to them? Um. <laughs> How big of a check you want to write? Um, no, the, the, um, Does the it include a yacht? you know, <laughs> I don't want to vote. <laughs> um, the the uh, now the way we think about this, right? Um, yes, we get uh, an 
incredible amount of inbounds um, and, you know, multiple a day. Uh, and I usually punch them um, in the signal center where heads down and going. Um, there are a few people that I, I really admire, respect, and want to engage with. So we have conversations and, you know, build up rapports over, over the years. Um, you know, there's a lot of pent up cash, right? There's a lot of, you know, as they say, dry powder that needs to be deployed. And people are looking at this saying, listen, we've been sitting on things. We've, you know, PE firms and, and growth stage, you know, I would put it in like the growth stage world. Um, they're looking at us saying, listen, we, we are starting to do deals now. We have a lot of cash we brought into these funds. We have to deploy it. Um, and, and they're, you know, anxious to do so. Um, it's also, you know, it's fortunately for, folks on my side of the, my side of the table, um, it's easier than it ever has been, right? And, you know, we're kind of joking or we don't have to get on planes and, you know, do the, you know, run the circuit out out in whatever, you know, Palo Alto or wherever, wherever you end up looking for, for venture capital. Um, people are now coming to you and you can sit here on a Zoom and, and do a capital raise. Now we haven't, right? We're, we're, we've been, you know, also the fortune benefactor of, of being well-funded and um, not needing to go go look for for cash and and kind of having cash there as long as we want. But you know, that being said, things are things are exciting right now, and there are some conversations that are maybe worth having. So um, we'll see. Um, but it's I'd rather be in this type of environment than you know back in like you know, 08 where if you were in financial technology, you, you, no one would even open the door to give you a meeting. <laughs> you yeah. know? FinTech um, into the same cachet back then as it does now. There wasn't even FinTech, right? It was financial <laughs> technology and services. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, it's, it's, I, I was a little nervous, right. And, and where things would play out just as a business. Right. But, uh, but we, we just the acceleration of everything. And now some people saying, yeah, this is, we're not going like this the fintech world is not going anywhere. Now everyone wants to be classified as fintech, right? I would argue a lot of companies are not true fintech, right? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, either way, I'd, I'd rather have the attention, the spotlight put on this segment than, than, you know, no one looking at it. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, I think your segment in, in general has been increasing. You know, people are looking more at how to disintermediate these record keepers and how to automate it. But you were one of the first ones. I mean, I know you were, they, people were calling you a, a robo advisor for record keepers and and retirement. Yeah, it's funny. People, I mean, I don't, I don't really care what people call us, right? I just want them want them to use us. If <laughs> <laughs> you could label it whatever you want, um, but you know, like we, you know, I look at this like we want to be the underlying you know infrastructure, you know, foundational architecture that that powers anything happening in the workplace. You know, one of the other trends that, that you talk about and that kind of plays into this is like on the state plan side, right? You look at um, uh, the state mandated uh, uh, retire payroll deducted uh, retirement programs that are being put in place. So uh, Oregon was the first to roll out. Uh, they have the, the, I think they call it uh, Oregon Saves. Um, Oregon Saves is, you know, if you're, if you're a business of over X number of employees, um, I think in Oregon, it's 15. If I remember correctly, the states have different mandates. You're required to offer your employees a, a payroll deducted investment program. Um, they do it in the form of IRA today. Uh, Illinois was the next that, that followed suit in California. Um, Connecticut um, um, just passed and, and Maryland has put an initiative and Colorado and, uh, is starting here shortly as well. But they've put these things in place, right? Because they're like, we have to, we have to 
we have to give something to employees. Otherwise, we're all going to, um, you know, pay the price later on. Um, and they're, they're, thankfully, a lot of these folks are turning to Vestwell. Um, they're doing it, you know, as, as part of it. You know, we publicly, I can say we won Connecticut um, through um, uh, where we're going to be running that state IRA program. And there's some other things that, that we're talking about um, putting in place there. Um, and then there's two other states that are going to, um, well, looks like we're going to pick up here. And it, if you, it's done in a, you know, we're, it's through our partner and who's also an investor and we're an affiliate of, of BNY Mellon. But BNY Mellon is, you know, we're the engine behind the scenes, right? And that's all we think about. It. It's like we just want to be the engine to facilitate this stuff, um, regardless of who, who the business is, who the organization is that, that needs to offer this. We want to be the underlying uh, pieces that make this thing really hum. Well, congratulations on uh, the Connecticut deal. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, it, it, I think it's cool that just the states are taking the initiative. Huh? You know, I, I think, and I think it's just the beginning, right? Things are going to evolve, right? As far as they're going to look at IRAs and maybe it becomes 401ks and open maps and all of this, thing, these kind of structures that are, you know, I think more beneficial to employees in the long haul, but it's, you know, it's a great starting place that they're doing this um, and we're, we're thrilled to be a part of it. What do you think of getting rid of all these crazy acronyms having just one account? Why do we need so many? Um, I mean, it would be awesome, right? Uh, but the, the challenge is going to be on the, the legislative front, uh, you know, to, to get these these registration types structured uh, or, or aligned. Um, that's, could it happen? Theoretically, yeah. Uh, would it? Will it happen? I don't know. Like, I, I always, like, kind of reference the, the Australian superannuation structure, right? I, I, I really like exactly, that structure. Yeah. And I wish... I wish we would go that route. Um, um, I think, I do think it could happen um, at some point, you know, and uh, I think it's, you know, 10, 20 years on the road, but it, it could actually come come to bear if you get enough people around. It is, you know, one thing I, I think that's encouraging, I've seen a lot of, um, you know, because of our, our kind of state um, relationships, we, you know, we get the pleasure of kind of engaging with a number of these these folks at the treasury levels and whatnot and uh, of these states and as well as a lot of the folks on Capitol Hill. Um, and they're all starting to talk and bring ideas together and say, you know what, maybe we actually just create kind of one overall blanket mandate. Um, it still has to be approved at each respective state within each state, but it's they're kind of designing saying, okay, well, let's let's take all this knowledge as best practice and and put this all together, right? So you see this right in the medical world often, right? It's like, okay, let's let's start sharing ideas and figure out how best practice works. Um, and, and we're seeing it, you know, happen on the financial services side, which is super encouraging, right? That that people are willing to do that. So it's it's just this is kind of I don't know what what version you want to call it, but it's like you know fintech kind of. 2.0 or, or what 3 version or whatever, who, whatever. Who controls the versions anyway? Who's in charge of that? Uh, I want a new version. It's true. I don't know. It's, it's true. We just rolled, we rolled out Best Ball 2.0 this year, right. um, which was, which was our, our reinvention of, of um, the record keeping construction, right? Where we did, or deconstruction rather, where it's like the record keeper, this record keeper. Um, that's been exciting. And frankly, in our world, like I look at what we built and this is the new bar, right? This is, but I, I truly think everyone in this country will be running in this construct. Um, hopefully we're the engine actually doing it, but it, mm -hmm. it is what brings it together. And it actually brings it closer to your kind of world of like, couldn't it just be one account, right? Yeah. And we can run a 401k and an IRA and an HSA and whatever taxable and a 520. We can actually run all of those in one seamless mm -hmm. architecture. 
right? Without having to run three disparate systems and you know put a layer on top. Ours is just one, and we're connected to the payroll, right? So if you think of, we we can actually allocate the next best investable dollar out of your paycheck, but before it ever goes to your bank account, right? Which is powerful, very powerful, right? And we have all the underlying data around this, and so the future of where we're going is that, right? Is we we have all the payroll connectivity, right? And we, we add payroll, you know, connections is is you know one or two a month. Right now, we'll continue to accelerate that. And then we, we'll just start to place it in the most appropriate bucket based on who people are and, and what their needs are. Um, and and it, it's it, it's cool that we can do this in today's world, right? You couldn't do this in you know, 10 years Very ago. Very cool. Yeah, one thing before we go, running out of time, uh, I want to be cognizant of your time. Uh, one thing sure, you mentioned, sure. which I just highlighted here in my notes, you said, we, meaning Vestwell, we want to be the underlying technology for anything that happens in the workplace. That's a bit of a different mandate than what I thought you guys were doing. So where, where are you going with this? And what, what do you see the future of Vestwell in a couple of years? Uh, so it kind of is that, right? As I, as I can just mention, when we look at it, like 401ks, 43B, like that's flagship, right? That's, that's we're solving that, right? Um, and and that, that's it. But we, I actually look at this through the lens of just infrastructure and architecture, right? And just remove the nuance of, of account type, right? or plan type, right? That's just that's just a logic layer, right? And so if you look at it in that, you, you have logic layers and then you have architecture underneath and the logic is discerning what where it goes, right? That's how we think about it, right? So your 401k is, yes, absolutely, first and foremost. But then future state is, you know, if an HSA is best, for, or, or let's, let's start, go a little easier than that. If you think of a Roth K, right? Versus a 401k. And we, you know, we do both, right? Roth 401k. There are times where it makes sense. You should be in a Roth K and you shouldn't be in, in your company's 401k, right? And based on how much you're making and, and your tax brackets and so on. Um, so if you think about that, right? And we have all the information on the individuals that are coming in, right? We know who they are, birthdays, how they get paid, how much they get paid, when they get paid, what, what industries they're in, you know, where they are regionally. You can help, you can use data points to help make better decisions for them or guide them. Say, so, listen, I know you're you're going into a 401k, but it actually is more beneficial for you to be in a Roth K. Here's why. And then allocate those dollars into those buckets, right? And 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 feed that information back into a payroll system so they know you know where to pull from and, and how it gets taxed, right? So you know when you go into workplace, think of you have that, right? Then you the HSA, right? Do you have a high deductible insurance plan at your company when you enroll? Yes. Okay, great. Hey, you know what? You should probably have an HSA. So let's look at that. And then through account aggregation, we understand you have these, these other IRA accounts sitting at, you know, wherever they are, you could roll those in, right? So now let's look at it. You have three buckets, right? You have three account types. You have HSA, you have 401k and IRA, right? Then you can look at that individual, same sort of data points. So, okay, what is the most tax efficient place for each next dollar to be placed? Right, based on the plan design, how much is matched, right? All of those things. So that's that's where it kind of comes into you know overall workplace, right? Um, you know, I, I don't want to be an insurance provider, you know, something like that. But but again, we want to be this infrastructure that can place that. Um, so that that's I guess how the the path we're marching down, and we've spent the last year change just focusing on that underlying architecture. And then we'll continue to layer additional logic points on top of that. 
that will be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. I mean, when you see things like help, using data, leveraging data to help employees make better financial decisions, I'm all, I'm all for that. That's a super goal. It's a, you think of like, you know, I will say this, I am very, very encouraged by the level of education or, or the, the kind of, you know, just intellectual curiosity that we see across employees today. Um, and where they're, they're, they're taking it upon themselves to figure out what's best. Right. And the, the more seamless and fluid we can make that happen, the better, right? And that's, then we're doing the service we should be doing in financial services, right? Um, so that's encouraging. But there are a lot of people who just don't know, right? They think of 401k is like their bank account, you know? And they're just like, hey, I want to go do this and let me get my money. And, and we're like, well, it doesn't really work that way, right? You, there's penalties, right? That you're going you're gonna to get hit with if you do this. And um, so helping people get educated around those is, is, will always be the case. We, we just try to surface more around it and, and our team you know, works super hard on it. We, we kind of have this, this overall bucket theme in, in one of our OKRs that is centered around where's my money? And, and it's all about where's my money and how do you actually show these things and, and, and create confidence and understanding what and the decisions people are making with that. That's fantastic. And, you know, I wish you guys the best of luck. I really a big supporter of Vestwell and everything you guys are doing. And I really appreciate you being on the program today. Aaron. thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. And, um, and, and I appreciate everyone taking a listen and, and you taking the time with me. it's Craig again. And as promised, uh, that was an awesome discussion. I hope you liked it. I know I did. Uh, here are a few of my takeaways. First of all, make sure you check out Vestwell's 2020 Retirement Trends Survey. Lots of good data in there. Uh, infographics uh, really gives you a quick uh, snapshot of what's going on in the retirement industry. I, I liked Aaron's uh, views on the battle between user experience and cost and how cost is always a limiting factor, but firms need to find a way to deliver great user experience. Uh, advice for technology providers, uh, to how to think about your software, how it impacts the lives of your customers, and how it should make every piece of their lives that it touches just a little bit better. I was surprised to hear that PE firms had approached Vestwell about buying Mass Mutual. Wow, it was news. Uh, but Aaron turned them down because it would have expanded their scope beyond what he felt their mission was of providing value-added software and technology. That's a really difficult call for a lot of CEs. When they see those dollar signs dangling in front of their eyes, it's hard not to go out and grab them. So good for Aaron for holding off and, and really focusing on their, their core mission. And that's all for this episode. I hope everyone has a happy and healthy holiday and a fantastic new year. I look forward to talking to you all again next time.